Well, good morning, Gospel Hope family. As y'all can see, my big bro already kind of ruined the surprise. I wanted to just catch y'all slipping and be like, is that Pastor Rod up there? He got shorter. What's going on? He losing some weight. He look good. But right, um, so just thank you guys for the opportunity to pour into you guys what I've been studying in the Word this week. I don't treat that with um, any, any like malice or any you know, non-certainty. I just am grateful to be able to speak with you guys this morning, especially to be able to see a big brother, AJ, and I know he's here, so that made it better. But to be able to see someone, I've gotten to sit at an IHOP and hear some of these same stories, and we both breathe life into each other by God's spirit, and then to be able to see that growth. Because both of us talked through how, hey, we bond here, because even for me in seventh grade, I almost lost my mother, but she's here, right? To be able to see that within God's church and then be able to grow through that is just a wonder, wonderful thing. So if y'all don't mind, can I pray with you guys before we jump into God's word? Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity to remember who you are during our wilderness experiences, to remember that you are the God that walks through life with us, to remember that we are never alone and that every struggle we go through, every um, every discomfort, Lord. It is the opportunity for you to reveal to us your promises, your plan, and your purpose. And I just ask you to use me during this time. Remove me completely out of the way, Lord, until there's nothing left but you. And I am grateful to be able to speak to my brothers and sisters this morning about what me and you have been talking through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So isn't it kind of funny, though, just like we see with um, AJ's story, like I told you guys, was part of my testimony that when we walk through our faith walk, it's somewhat like a roller coaster sometimes, right? There's highs, there's lows, but you know at the end of the roller coaster, eventually you're going to get to your destination, right? Now, funny story, and then I'm gonna jump right into the word. Me, my mom, and my sister, we went to Universal Studios one year, and my dad does not do roller coasters at all, period right? <laughs> my dad does not do roller coasters, and we tricked my dad into getting on a roller coaster that was called the Hulk. Now, my dad, like, this is a little cartoon ride, right? This should be fine. I ain't scared of no little cartoons, whatever. And so we trick him into getting on this Hulk. And by the way, if you've been on this ride, you realize until you get in the seat, you do not see this ride at all. <laughs> so we got him. He's looking at the clips of the Hulk, and he's, all right, cool. He's, he's boosting himself up. And now we get to the ride, and he realized, wait, this is not like the other cartoon rides. This ain't like Men in Black. I got to get suited and booted to get on this ride. And he's like, y'all tricked me. <laughs> if we think through a lot of times in our faith walk as being a Christian, it feels that same way. You come to being with the faith. You realize everyone tells you the benefits of being with the faith. No one tells you the minute you become a Christian, the next day, you're probably going to be in the biggest battle you've ever been. Because there's a fight from the enemy to get you to believe that, hey, you may have made this decision, but you didn't really mean it, right? You may have made this decision, but, uh, I mean, you see more Christians frowning than you see them smiling sometimes, depending on the church you go to. With us, our faith walk it's sometimes just like that roller coaster. And as we look at the, the book of Numbers, chapter 14 and chapter 13, right? Because the text we started with with chapter 13, the Israelite people are just like us on that roller coaster. Sometimes it becomes difficult for us to slow down and realize there is a lot of mirroring 
in our own hearts that we see in the Israelite people. We can come back and say, well, how would you see God part a Red Sea and walk through it? How do you see God send plagues? How do you see God raise, send manna from heaven? And then now the minute you're in a battle, you forget who God is. Very simply put, we do the same thing because they're on this roller coaster of transitioning from moving from fearfulness or faithlessness to faithfulness. And that's going to be our message today. So y'all still with me? Y'all okay? All right. So as we look over what we've been talking about so far. Last week, Pastor Rod spoke on transitioning from worry to warrior. This week, we're talking about how we transition from fearfulness to faithfulness, right? But as my big brother Daniel says, sometimes we have to double-click this a little bit and look under the hood and understand it's, it's very easy to talk about being faith-filled. It's very hard to walk it out. It's like when the old people tell you, don't pray for patience because the Lord going to put you in a situation for you to be patient. He's not just going to magically wish upon a star and make it happen, okay? So the people of Israel are still battling with what it means to remain faithful. And in my belief, the reason that this happens is because as a Christ follower, if we don't have a deep desire to be faithful, we're only going to be faithless, right? If we as Christ followers do have a deep desire to be faithful, even when we're tempted to be faith fearful or faithless, we please God, right? As we begin to look at this week's text, we, we really start seeing a culmination of these people whom have been faithless, fearful, repetitive. God meets the need, almost like the book of Judges, and then they're right back here in the next chapter, right? If we look at this, God begins to culminate his people to actually be faithful or just not be his people, right? He moves them from, okay, We've learned this. You've made an idol around it. Now I'm going to change the whole culture of my people. So if y'all are okay, I'm going to read a little bit of the text one more time. That's cool? All right. So when Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, go up to the Negev, then go up to the hill country, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land, um, is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in campments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are the trees in it or not? Be courageous. Note that. Bring back some fruit from the land. And it was the season for the first ripe fruits. So they went up, scouted out the land of the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. They went up through Negev and came to Hebron. From I'm not going to even do it. The descendants of Anak <laughs> were living. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they came to the valley of Eshekel, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, which, were, which was carried on a pole by two men. They also took some pomegranates and figs. This, that place was called the valley of Eshetal because the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut there. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. The men went back to Moses and Aaron and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and they brought back a report for them, the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of Negev, 
And the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea. And along the Jordan, then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. And if we look at our own life situation, if we're really looking at how we walk out our faith, the majority of the times we walk out our faith by sight, right? Whether we ever want to admit it or not, we can say we're faithful until we're in a situation where we actually have to be faithful. And the minute we have to be faithful, we're like, yo, I hear you. Hey, and this is what the Israelites folks were saying. I hear you. The land is plentiful, right? The, the fruits are ripe. However, yo, these folks look like WWE superstars. Like, what you want me to do, God? Right? If we really look at how our faith is, is rooted, it's, it's not usually rooted in, in, in our sight. It's usually rooted not in God, which it should be, but it's rooted in our sight. So if we really look at, hey, how the Lord is molding and shaping his people, he, tr- he pushes them from this tendency to, to forget what they have been brought from, to worry about where he got them at, to get where they brought him from, and now to just worry about where they're at right now. But the people there are look, looking like, yo, maybe it's just a coincidence, but if God was really going to deliver us from this, maybe he wouldn't make this obstacle so big, right? And now, as we, as we go through uh, this transition, it's almost like, yo, have y'all ever felt it's really easy on Sunday morning to sing, Jaira, you are enough, when payday is on Friday. <laughs> but now the minute payday is on Monday, you're like, undescribable, uncontainable. I don't know where my check coming from, but I believe that my card won't bounce, right? And maybe that's just me, maybe, right? I'm going to play this now where, you know, I done did my Dave Ramsey. I'm looking a little better. But <laughs> if we really look at our faith wall, it is so difficult to be consistent with God when things are going wrong right? And so our points for today is, hey, as a Christ follower, I have to get to a point, or as a Christ follower, I must stand in faith instead of living in fear, right? If we look at these people, they transition from actually believing in God, God showing up multiple times, to the minute something happened, they just gave up the ghost. And you guys may say, hey, okay, Shaw, that sounds good, but how do I do that? You're just throwing out words. First, and I'm going to give you all the points, because I know we got some folks who like to write points down. And I'm going to prove it, right? First, hey, we have to trust in God's power, right? Secondly, we have to trust in God's plan. Thirdly, we have to trust in God's promises. And Brady, I'm sorry, bro. I love you, man. You're knocking it out the park. (laughs) Now, let's start with his power. When we decide to trust in God's power, our heart posture becomes we must believe that our God's power is bigger than our problems, right? So when we actually look at our problems and say, hey, I actually believe God is going to come through for me, sometimes you just notice, hey, it just becomes easier to walk out those obstacles, right? If we look at verse 27 and 28, and we see how this story unfolds, they, the, the people of Israel 
all are optimistic about their chances in Canaan, literally until the scouts come back. And the scouts that came back started to encapsulate their fear and actually seed it into the people, right? They had their warrior hats on. They were good to go for about five minutes, and then they saw what they were fighting. And like we said before, their faith was shaken, right? They, they decided that, hey, this may not be God supporting this. Maybe we just should, should walk away because they had forgotten that he had taken them from, they had forgotten how far he had taken them from and literally allowed their view of man to encapsulate their view of God, right? And for us, we do this all the time. I'll show you guys. So this ain't a view of man, but this is a view of me, right? I have this thing that I'm sure some of y'all have called the budget, correct? Who has a budget? Okay, y'all are responsible siblings up in here. I like it. So I have this thing called the budget. However, when I first got out of college, right, this same budget sheet on Excel, I looked at probably three times a day. And I know all of y'all are judging me real hard. Shot, I think you got some budget spreadsheets addictions. I don't understand how you trusting in God, right? But however, during that time frame, I was trying to rub two pennies together to get a McDouble for lunch. But this shows, hey, if we really look at our own life, we are a lot of the times just like Israel, right? Now, praise be to God, I probably look at the budget sheet once a week compared to three times a day. But the reason I looked at this budget sheet so much is because I had, I had built a fear pattern in my own life where my experience now has me saying, hey, I trust God's going to come through. But at the same time, I need to be sure that, you know, I'm doing what I need to do. Faith without works, you know, is dead. But however, the, the issue with the Israelites is despite anything God did, they still chose to not believe. And I say that to mean sometimes we judge people for their fears very harshly without actually thinking, where did this fear come from? If we look at the people of Israel, the minute they stopped believing, the fear came from the other scouts that said, nah, we can't do this. However, we see a tension here, right? We get to see where they, because of Caleb, they started to see their obstacles as God's opportunity, we, where they transitioned from being fearful to being faith-filled, right? Caleb's response to the same thing that the, that the negative scout saw was, hey, if we go now, not later, we will take the land, right? What would happen in our own faith walk if we actually believed some of the things we were saying and we looked at our obstacles as, okay, if God brought me through the Red Sea, if God has fed me through this whole wilderness experience, hmm, what is he going to do now? How can he get glory out of this situation, right? And when we invite God into our circumstances and apply faith to it, we see, just like Caleb, he immediately grew in character. He saw the same thing the other Israelites saw. However, his reaction, his response was different. And he became courageous, he became confident, and he became assured in God's ability to meet him in the battle, right? Which leads us to our next point. Hey, God expects us to believe in his promises, right? If we want to transition from being fearful to being faith-filled, we actually have to believe that. Now, I'm not saying that as if I'm an expert, as if I got it, figured it out. Ask Erica. Most times I'm like, yep, 
I don't know how these renovations getting done, but well, there's a will, there's a way, right? <laughs> but when we look at God's promises, we actually have to believe that our challenges are God's opportunity to fulfill his promises. If we look at the story in chapter 14, when the whole nation begins to mourn, when they all begin to give up, right, all because they had not guarded their hearts, which Pastor Rod talked about last week, we see that natural, that natural inclination to fear, right, actually took hold of them, right? In this section of the story, we get to see now, hey, if we allow our fears to override our faith, we're probably not headed in the direction that God is pleased with. And if we look closely, hey, they, if they had not moved to transitioning from allowing their fear to slow them down, they probably would have just took the land. And more of them would have made it into the promised land. If you guys read further in the chapter 14, you see everybody ain't get there. And we all wonder, okay, well, I know everybody didn't get there, but why? If you look at the story, God decided to now change the culture of his people. But in all actuality, a culture of faith is what was already there, right? So as we look, Caleb now transitions from, okay, um, I know this is challenging, I know we can't do this on our own. And he now transitions to say, hey, if I'm going to see this, I'm going to see this challenge as an opportunity to speak life into my fellow Israelites, right? I'm going to seize this opportunity to actually push the mission of Christ forward. And as we look at the text, we see Moses and Caleb, I mean, Moses and um, God went blow for blow, right? We didn't read that part, so go back and check when you get home for community group. Moses and God had a whole dissertation between each other, where now God is ready to smite his people, and Moses tells him, hey, you told me you are a graceful and forgiving God, and if, I, if you smite your people now, hey, what will the Egyptians say, right? But if we really look at the promise of God, there was another reason. We may, you may read it and, and think, hey, the reason this happened is because God said, okay, cool, I see what you're saying, I'm going to ease up. But if we really look at the text, God had already promised the seed of Abraham that those would be his people, right? However, he also, he also made that promise on the basis of faith, saying, hey, if you are going to believe in me this much to slay your own son, my people need to have that same type of belief, right? He transitioned now from pulling the two people in this situation that actually had faith, that being Caleb and Joshua, and says, yo, I will save my people, but it's only going to be the descendants of Caleb and Joshua, right? And if we, if we really start to look at our, our scenarios as an opportunity for God to fulfill his promise. Sometimes we feel like Caleb, where God will put us in some uncomfortable situations, and we will never know why, but all we know is, hey, he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Sometimes I feel like I'm in those situations where I'm like, yo, I walk past a brother or sister in the faith at church when I'm actually not up here singing and running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and I'll be like, yo, you just seem off today. You good? And the majority of the time, I'll get, yeah, you know, just yet holding on, you know, just trying to get through Sunday. And I'm like, okay, cool, but I don't think you are okay. 
how can I, you know, support you and where you're at? And usually, I don't expect to get a conversation right then. I'm usually like, okay, when can we grab some coffee? Because out of our hearts, right, is this tension to either allow both ourselves or others to live in fear or to be moved by the Spirit to not only walk in faith but bring others with us. That was Caleb's intention. He never just said this to be like, I need to be good with God. He said this because he hoped his people would change their heart towards God, right? And in short, Caleb actually saw something that we didn't. If we really look at our, our, our situations, our obstacles as God's opportunity, we see Caleb was able to see the victory before he even got into the battle, right? Because his faith was secured in the Lord's promise to his people, right? Imagine where we would be as a people if every time we, we saw an obstacle, we simply was like, oh, man, this going to be good right here. God finna show all of y'all what's going on, right? However, for Caleb, he literally told the people, not only let's go, but let's go now, right? If you look at verse 14, he tells the people, hey, let's go and take the land because their God is not, our God is with us, right? And their God has forsaken them, right? It's in, in, um, so Caleb's faith is a lot like a friend of mine named Paul, right? Where Paul says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, right. right? He's basically reflecting a promise that God gave us that, hey, we may struggle, but allow these struggles to encourage you that God's about to come in, get up, and show out, like the older people would say, right? I'm sorry, like the wiser people would say, <laughs> right? And then there's this third principle, which is we must believe in faith that God has a plan, and it is for our good, right? It's, it's different to believe in faith that God has a plan, and it's there, or God has a plan, and, you know, hopefully it's for my good, but to believe that God has a plan and it is always for my good, even when I struggle, is different, right? As we look at the conclusion of this chapter, we see God has allowed his people to become a slave to their fears. However, they finish their thoughts with, and we see that God just brings about judgment, right? But even that judgment was in his original plan, right? He lets them know they have allowed their fears to run rapid, And if we look at verse 11, he literally says, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not trust in me despite all the signs I have performed? And we get to see, hey, after he considers striking them down, he he transitions. I'm just going to change the culture of my people to a people of faith. And he's a lot like Paul, where Paul says, hey, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Right? In other words, Paul says, hey, I choose to endure. He understood, hey, if this is God's opportunity to fulfill his promise, I'm going to choose to endure. But then he says, hey, um, for the sake of those that come after me, I'm going to choose to go through this, right? He literally says, hey, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He realizes I'm not giving them salvation, but my struggle is showing them and pointing them to Christ, right? And then he says, hey, 
if this is all, if this is worth it, if this is what I have to do to bring more people to faith, I'm going to smile at my struggle. I'm going to smile at my obstacles because this is an opportunity to bring people to know the Lord, right? In other words, he's saying that out of this decision to walk by faith and not fear, that the Lord has stored up a reward for not only him, but those who come to follow him, right? For him, it's, it may be important for a reward in heaven for us. You're like, Lord, okay now. I wasn't counting numbers, but I did pretty good. <laughs> you know, I endured. I didn't, I didn't buy everything I wanted to buy. But it's another thing to go into heaven and say, Lord, I set a roadmap for others to follow my lead, right? He transitions from, hey, the reward is not only salvation and eternal life, but that, hey, I need to know that others started in a better spot in their faith, in their walk than I did, right? In other words, if, not, if we're not going to choose to be faith-filled for ourselves, we should choose to believe for those who come after us. We should choose to believe for those who we mentor and disciple. Or why did we take the time to do it, Right? Because they are dependent on us to not only lead them forward, but take them along. If we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus lived with these people for three years. They lived life with him because they needed to know. There was no New Testament written yet. They needed to know, hey, if Jesus was sitting right next to me, would he approve of how I'm teaching this person? Would he approve of the life I'm living when I say in Jesus' name? Right? And for us, we should have a desire to do the same thing. When we do this, we should be able to truly walk in the favor of God by just responding and saying, hey, I'm not going to walk in fear, right? So if you want to believe in God's promise, believe that, hey, he's not going to leave us. If we want to believe in God's plan, believe that, hey, the Israelites started one place, but in Revelation, they say we're going to end somewhere else, right? If we want to believe in God's power, look at the fact that you're still here. When for some people, they might have wished you weren't, right? <laughs> if we look at God's response when he tells Moses that he's going to remove these faithless people, and we look at Caleb's faithful life, we see these are models. There's always a tension, but these are models to set a seed for a lineage coming after, Right? And we have to make a choice every time when we want to be tempted to fear or to think that God's not behind us because it got a little rough. We have to choose to remember the promise that Christ said. It says, hey, you may suffer, but guess what? I suffered. And that's just a reminder. I'm still with you because they don't approve of the life that I'm calling you to live. Right. If, if you're like, hey, Shah, I completely understand what you're saying. I got you. But if I'm honest. I still struggle with choosing to be faithful or be faith-filled. I'm usually just fearful, right? I'm, I'm afraid of what people think about me. I'm afraid of stepping out on faith because I have responsibilities. Guys, I get it if anybody does, because if you are in the inner conversations in our house, there's always a conversation on, okay, Lord, are you calling me to, to leave my, my, my bread and butter? <laughs> step out on faith and just let you take the wheel. Because guess what? Y'all know I have a wife and she likes things a certain way. 
And that's about all I'm going to say because, you know, I want to remain having a wife. <laughs> and I have two twins on the way. Right? So thank y'all. <laughs> but with that being said, I get the responsibilities. Right? Without question. However, I get this tension is only here because we do not believe that our problems are less than our God. And the minute we choose to believe that, you realize, okay, if he designed the cosmos, I think he can take care of, you know, spectrum. (laughs) But at the same time, realize you are not alone in this. This not only happened with the Israelites when Moses was alive, this happened when he was about to die, which is his last words in Deuteronomy 30 were, see, I have set before you today life, good, death, and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, that I command you today by the loving the Lord, your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and statutes and his favor, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord, your God, will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. Not maybe, not kinda. You will surely perish, and you shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I say this to to tell you, this tension will be here until the day we die. In every choice that we make to believe in God's promises, to believe in his plan, and most importantly, to believe in his power, push us forward in that tension. It pushes us to the left of, you know what? I'm going to trust that God is who he says he is, where Job says, yet you slay me, yet I'm going to trust you. I may lose my family. I may lose my house. I may lose my money, which we all know that's an idol in all of our hearts, right? (laughs) But yet, despite all of those things, you're still going to be present. David says, I can go down to the pits of Sheol and you still will find me there. But if you guys are like, yo, Shad, that sounds good. I understand what you're saying, but I need something practical. Here's two practical steps that you can take when you feel like you're teetering. Understand, God is using this struggle to help you to believe in his plan. There's not been one struggle you see in the scriptures where it is not just a simple test to are you going to believe me or not? And sometimes we just got to step on faith. And I'm not talking to you guys as if I've, I've, I'm an expert. I've mastered it. I've been watching Star Wars all week. I am not a master Jedi in faith. However, when we choose to believe our struggle is a part of God's plan, it gets a whole lot easier. And then the second principle is easy. God has entrusted me with this struggle for someone else's benefit. Somehow or another, whenever we get to the point that we believe that our struggle is for someone else, if my mother, when my parents went through their rough patch, she she shifted to a place of faith and believed that our current struggle is actually going to push our kids forward. Right? For us, if it's so much easier when you transition to not fighting for yourself, 
but fighting for someone else. Like they say, if you ever want to tick off a mama bear, mess with their kids, you see a different space in which you have room now to fight, and that is from the Lord. Every struggle we battle with is to benefit someone behind us. But we have to make the choice to continue forward in the way that God approves. So as you guys know, we've been going through who's your one, right? We've been challenging you guys to step out on faith and simply say, hey, I'm going to write one name on this board of someone that the Lord has put on my heart, one name on this board of someone who I know this struggle may benefit, and I just need an opportunity to talk to them about the gospel. We're going to take a moment and just simply transition after I pray for you to either write their name on the board, walk in boldness, walk in faith, or simply, if you have a name already on there, you know the person, you know that God's challenging you to do it, and you've made the step. We want you to encourage others because we struggle. We go through for others' benefit and circle that name. And then lastly, if you're like, Shad, hey, I get it, but sometimes I just need somewhere to start. I need the Lord to push me in boldness and make the next step, right? I need the Lord to just like they gave Paul and the disciples right before they're about to be persecuted. He sent them up on top of that building on the day of Pentecost, and they came back with power. And don't worry, y'all, I'm not going to go Pentecostal. Y'all right. They came back with power. And the same man who denied Jesus three times simply went down and said what Jesus told him to say to multiple cultures, and it was translated through all of the people. And the most people of that day came to Christ in that moment where they stepped out on boldness. So if you're like, I know there's somebody, but I need some help, we're going to have the prayer team on the sides. I encourage you to pray with them. But don't let this moment go by where you're just like, well, that was good words, but I don't know what to do next. I challenge you to challenge yourself to allow God to take the lead and use your struggle as God's opportunity to show you who he is. If y'all don't mind, would you pray with me? And then we're going to start. Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity to jump into your word, for the opportunity to remember your power from the days of old to the days current, the opportunity to remember that you are, you have promised you will always be with us. You will never forsake us. And to be reminded that God, your plan is for our good, even when we don't understand it. And that is enough. Lord, we ask you during this time to move our hearts to continue pushing forward, not just for our own benefit, but for those who come after us. And we sing and we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.